Um, we're carrying on uh, from last time, and the rubber has very much hit the road at this point in the letter. And the first half of Colossians, Paul paints this um, amazing, majestic picture of Jesus, who Jesus is. And Jonathan uh, preached on that a few weeks ago. Um, Jesus is the Lord of creation. He was involved in the making of everything, and all things hold together through him. Um, he is the Lord of the church. He is the one who directs us, who leads us. He's the head of the body um, of the church. And finally, he's the savior of the world. He's the one, the only one, as we sang earlier, who, through whom we can be saved. Uh, and in the second half of the letter, uh, which we started last time, and it was actually two weeks ago because we didn't have a service for the bank holiday weekend um, last week, but Lydia preached to us really powerfully and challengingly about the old self and the new self and how it's a daily choice to take off that old self. If it was crucified with Jesus, it's dead. It has no more power over us. And to put on the new self that Jesus has won for us. And Lydia actually landed um, verse 17, which we just heard read, with that challenge that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've also had this recurring theme of hope, throughout our time looking at Colossians, this hope um, that is set before us in heaven, Jesus who's gone ahead of us, and it's a hope that's beyond our circumstances. You know, it's not dependent on how I feel or uh, what things are like around me. And it's from that hope that I can live out the Jesus life. Now, I just want to acknowledge just at the start with this passage, there are some difficult aspects to it. Um, you know, you might have heard wives submit to your husbands and be thinking, What's going on there? Um, you know, what kind of context are we dealing with here? And I just want to say those are absolutely legitimate questions. Um, I'm not going to be delving into um, that particular aspect of the passage, but just want to say if, if this is something that's a particular um, challenge for you or you want to talk about it more, uh, any of us um, on the leadership team would be very happy to chat with you, Jan, uh, Jonathan or I. So please do find us after the service or get in touch. Uh, we're happy to chat with you about that. Um, so this isn't a sermon specifically on marriage. It's not specifically on parenting. It's not specifically on work. But rather, I want to suggest that the beating heart of this passage, the message here that Paul is communicating, is actually the sentence that comes just after those instructions to Christian households. And that's chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I want to suggest that if we get this right, if we get prayer truly right, then the other things in life are going to start to fall into place. And it affects how we live alongside fellow Christians, and that affects how we live alongside those who don't know Jesus. So where we're going in this is, firstly, I want to think about what does it mean to be devoted to prayer? And then, how can we be devoted to prayer? And finally, why be devoted to prayer? And so it's really fitting, I think, that, this, that the talk has immediately followed our prayers. We've just been praying. And actually, that's so important. And that's just something to kind of hold on to as we make our way through the passage. So firstly, what does it mean to be devoted to prayer? Well, the Victorian poet Alfred Tennyson said, more things are wrought in prayer than this world dreams of. I love that. The word devote here, as well as meaning 
devotion, it also has this idea of kind of being busily engaged in, of persisting in. This idea of the long haul. It's a marathon, not a sprint, when we devote ourselves to prayer. I wonder, if you had to say right now, what, what would you say that you are devoted to? It's worth taking a step back and thinking about that every once in a while. Perhaps there's a particular person, you know, someone in your family uh, or a friend. Perhaps there's a hobby or an interest that you have devoted yourself to. Maybe it's not a very positive thing. Maybe it's a responsibility you know, for someone or uh, you know, a particular area in your job or a neighborhood, something like that. I would hope that if, uh, if you're a Christian tonight, you'd say that you're devoted to Jesus. But how about prayer? How about prayer? I feel like as evangelical Christians, we're often excellent at doing, you know, serving, caring, giving, worshipping. Sometimes we're not so good at praying, not so good at interceding. Forgetting that actually prayer is like the power source that actually runs the whole thing. And Epaphras, who is the uh, the one who planted the Colossian church, but later in chapter 4, just beyond our reading, chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you. This is someone who is devoted to prayer. And prayer isn't disconnected, it's not insular, it's not hiding away from the troubles of the world. It's actually God's means of involving us in his purposes. It's battle, it's resistance, it's warfare against the devil and his spiritual forces, the forces of darkness in the world. In this sense, it's not for the faint-hearted. When we talk about prayer warriors, that's a real calling um, and um, a really significant uh, description to give to our faithful brothers and sisters. And devotion to prayer, I want to suggest, means taking the focus off my wants, my priorities, the mood I'm in right now, and focusing instead on God's wants. What does God want to do? What is God's purposes in this? What is God's purposes in my marriage, in my family, in my work, responsibilities? Uh, I have a, a, a dear friend uh, who is a, a mentor to me, something of a spiritual father. Uh, he's sort of six, in his 60s, retired physician. And uh, whenever I would, I would go to him with a particular frustration or something I'm finding difficult in life, he always asks the same two questions, and they always, they always floor me every time. Firstly, he asks... What do you think God is trying to teach you? What do you think God is trying to say to you in this? And then he'd ask, and what are you praying for, for that particular person? And it just, you know, it just turns everything on its head, doesn't it? It suddenly becomes, it's not about me at all. Actually, it's about what is the Lord doing? What does he want to do in me and in others? And when we commit to prayer over a difficult situation. I think often I find that God shows me it's my attitude that needs to change rather than that of others. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't at all saying that we need to be doormats you know, in situations that are dangerous or abusive, not at all. But there's a sense that um, in prayer we connect with our Heavenly Father's perspective. You know, the, the Sovereign Father who sees the end from the beginning, 
getting something of his perspective to give us perspective where we are. And the same applies not just to us as individuals, but as a church community, you know, seeking not our own agenda, but the agenda of God. And that's particularly important as we emerge, God willing, uh, from the pandemic. So firstly, it, it uh, changes our focus. And it also involves us in the needs of others, both inside and outside the Christian community. You know, it affects those closest to us, you know, our spouse, our, uh, those we're in relationship with, parents, children, close colleagues. It affects those who are reaching out in mission. Verse 3, Paul says, Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. And it applies to those outside the church. Verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I want to suggest that devotion to prayer means kind of being in step with the Lord when he seeks to move. And it means that we can go through life kind of expecting opportunities for him to use us to share the good news rather than them catching us flat-footed as I know personally they so often do. Um, to me. So that's something about what it means to be devoted to prayer. But how can we be devoted to prayer? And I think the clue comes in that second half of the verse. Be devote, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So firstly, be watchful. It's this idea of being aware. And in our society, society across the world, and particularly in the West, there's this in this growing kind of polarization over the last uh, number of years, hasn't there? Um, there's been talk of this kind of idea of the echo chamber, where you just kind of hear and see stuff that you agree with already, and it kind of reinforces your own views rather than being aware and open to the views of others. It's so easy through the, you know, the journalism we consume, the social media we engage with, and not to mention a year and a half of social distancing, not interacting with strangers, um, that we become you know, just concerned with people who are like us. There's, of course, the danger of the Christian bubble, you know, where we begin to lose sight of situations outside of the Christian community. And in de being devoted to prayer, there's a calling to be watchful, you know, to be watching intentionally what's going on around us and to kind of lift our gaze from the, the kind of milieu of things which distract us around us. And as well as being aware, I think there's also an idea of kind of being resilient. Devotion to prayer needs to be sustainable for that long haul, for that marathon. And the Bible often uses the image of a watchman, particularly in the Old Testament, kind of a watchman for prayer. Um, perhaps the, the kind of modern-day equivalent would be a bouncer or a security guard, someone who, whose job it is to be alert and keep watch for the whole shift from the beginning to the end and not let up at all during that time. So Psalm 130, verse 6, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. As Christians, we're, we're called to keep praying as we eagerly await kind of the, the day, the morning when Jesus will return. But until then, we are watch people. We are the bouncers of the world, and we need to keep watch in prayer.
So that's kind of being watchful. How about being thankful? Well, Colossians is shot through with thankfulness. There's actually three exhortations to thankfulness in this passage alone. And Paul opens the letter with this long prayer, giving thanks for what God's doing amongst his friends. And in being thankful in prayer, we remember that God is able. You know, God has done such great things that we give thanks for. And that means that we're not overwhelmed uh, by the troubles of the world, which are many and are deep and are significant. And how can we be devoted to prayer? Well, firstly, we, we can be devoted to prayer together in small groups, in missional communities, in prayer triplets or quads. I wonder, are you part of one of these? How's it been going over the pandemic? I just want to offer a, a prompt to just consider where are things at, to kind of take a step back and, and think, actually, do I need to re-engage uh, with some of this stuff? And of course, gathering to pray. Next Wednesday, we're going to come together as a church to pray. Um, and it would be wonderful to have as many of us there as we can uh, to seek God and be devoted to prayer together. And I wonder if, if there's an issue or an area on your heart that you want to pray for, that there are others who have the same heart. Get together and pray. You don't need to wait for an official kind of church prayer meeting to get together and pray. And of course, as well as together, we, we pray alone, having a quiet time, sometimes called devotions, perhaps stemming from this verse, I don't know, uh, but a quiet time regularly each day, uh, perhaps taking longer times to retreat, just to be with God, time to be honest with him, time to hear from him. I had a word as we were praying just before the service, perhaps there's someone here who feels like can't hear from God, can't hear those wonderful things that we were singing. And um, if that's you, we'd love, to, we'd love to pray with you after the service um, and want to encourage you to, to press in um, to God, to hear from him. And finally, why be devoted to prayer? You know, what's, what's, the, what's the reason? Why should we do all this? Well, Jesus is devoted to prayer. He taught his disciples to pray. So much of what Jesus is teaching in the Gospels and doing in the Gospels is about prayer. And it's not just the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus told lots of stories and lots of um, taught uh, on many occasions about prayer. And Jesus regularly took time out himself to pray, didn't he? Took himself time to be alone with his Father. And he's still praying for us today because as well as dying and being raised, Jesus ascended to heaven and he's interceding for us right now. Jesus is praying for you right now. And so should we. And secondly, prayer is the engine room of the church. There's this kind of mysterious dynamic in which the all-powerful God chooses to involve his people in what he's doing. And without prayer, you know, what we do as the church can so easily become like a, a kind of vanity, something we do just to make, because we think other people will think better of us or we, we think better of ourselves. Or maybe a, a kind of dry tradition, just, oh, we do this because that's always, it's what we've always done. Um, but prayer is like the secret source that brings the whole thing to life. 
Uh, There's a quote by uh, the evangelist J. John when he preaches on prayer. Uh, You may have come across J. John. You may have come across this quote, but um, I really love it. He says, when we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. When we pray, coincidences happen. And when they don't, when we don't, they don't. Um, When we commit to praying, things will happen. Opportunities will arise. It might might not be the way we planned it, but God is on the move and involving us in what he is doing. And so as we kind of come into land now, just want to encourage us in this new season, let's watchfully and thankfully devote ourselves to prayer. Let's choose to see with God's perspective. Let's pray together and alone. Let's follow Jesus' example of prayer. Let's pray to see God on the move in our communities. And let's pray so that coincidences happen. I wonder if you would uh, stand and we'll just have a time um, to respond now before we sing and then uh, come to communion. But let's pray. So we say, come Holy Spirit, and would you stir in us uh, a longing to pray? Would you grow in us a devotion to prayer? Would you make us watchful uh, and thankful Would you speak to us now? Would you put something on our heart uh, to pray? Is there something that you're calling us, that you're calling me to pray, to really devote myself to pray for? like to encourage you, we're going to sing now a song of God's great love for us. And as we, after that, come to communion, perhaps this can be a time of commitment and responding to that call to be devoted to prayer, which is fueled by the great love of Jesus who gave himself for us to give us life. So let's sing now.